Good morning and welcome to Christ Central. My name is Owen. I get to serve as one of the pastors here. Um, well, we're in a, our current sermon series is through the Gospel of Luke, and we're calling this Following Jesus Through the Book of Luke. And that's because the goal of this series is to follow Jesus around as he moves through the Book of Luke. We're going to watch what he does. We're going to pay attention to what he says. All of our attention will be on Jesus. And as we listen to the teachings of Jesus, and as we watch the actions of Jesus, my prayer is that we as a church would find Jesus to be more beautiful and more compelling than we already do, and that we would have greater certainty about the things that we believe as Christians, that Jesus really is the Son of God, that Jesus really is the Savior of the world, and that Jesus really is worth following even when it's not easy. And as we follow Jesus through the book of Luke, my prayer and my hope is that the Holy Spirit would teach and empower us to follow Jesus through all of life, even life during a pandemic. So today we're going to continue right where we picked off, and uh, the title of today's sermon is An Overview of the Ministry of Jesus. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 4, and we're going to read from verse 14 to 44. Jesus, our champion, has passed all the tests in the wilderness. And now, before he begins his public ministry, this is where we pick up. People of God, this is the word of God. Would you please give it your careful attention? And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them were cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things... All in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. 
And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have we uh, to do with what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had, uh, who had any who were sick with various diseases uh, brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. In today's text, before Luke tells us about the calling of the first disciples, Luke gives us a general overview of the entire ministry of Jesus. You see, our text today gives us a preview, or what you might call a representative sample of Jesus' entire ministry. It's kind of like a movie trailer, a preview of things to come so that we know what to expect in the rest of the book. So here's the outline for my sermon today. First, the promise of the Messiah fulfilled. Second, the ministry of the Messiah. And third, the rejection of the Messiah. So first, the promise of the Messiah fulfilled. When Jesus came into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, he stood up to read the scriptures. And Jesus was handed the scroll of Isaiah. And Jesus went to chapter 61, where Isaiah wrote about the promise of the Messiah and what the Messiah would do when the Messiah comes. And then in verse 21, Jesus said, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, this would have shocked everyone who heard Jesus say these words because Jesus was publicly declaring that he was the Messiah that Isaiah promised. Jesus was saying in no uncertain, no uncertain terms that he was the Messiah that the people of God had been looking for and waiting for for hundreds of years. This is mind-blowing stuff. Jesus having the nerve to say that he was the promised Messiah. But Jesus could say that because he was. Now, according to Isaiah, the Messiah would be anointed and filled with the Holy Spirit to do three things. To do three things. First, the Messiah will preach the gospel. Verse 18 says that the Messiah will proclaim good news to the poor. And verse 19 says that the Messiah will proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
Second, the Messiah will heal the sick. Verse 18 says that the Messiah will give recovering of sight to the blind. And third, the Messiah will set the captives and the oppressed free. Verse 18 says that the Messiah will proclaim liberty to the captives and, the, and that the Messiah will set at liberty those who are oppressed. Before Jesus began his public, public ministry, he publicly declared himself to be the promised Messiah so that everyone would understand what his ministry was all about. Luke wants us to know that this Jesus that he's writing about in his book was not some, uh, just a mere miracle worker or just some teacher. Luke wants us to know that he's writing about none other than the Messiah, the Messiah that Isaiah promised, the Messiah that the entire Old Testament looked forward to. And everything that Jesus will say and do, he will say and do as the Messiah. And according to the Old Testament, the Messiah, or Christ, which is just another word for Messiah, uh, would be the chosen one, the anointed one, and he would bring the kingdom of God. So from the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, Luke wants us to know exactly who Jesus is and exactly what Jesus is doing. Jesus is the Messiah, and he's bringing the kingdom of God. That's what this whole gospel is all about. Jesus, the Messiah, bringing the kingdom of God. So first, the promise of the Messiah was fulfilled in Jesus. Second, let's consider the ministry of the Messiah. In verses uh, 31, to, uh, 31 to 44, we have a representative sample of what Jesus did during his ministry. And I want you to notice what Luke chose to include and arrange in this representative sample of Jesus' ministry. He included all the things that the Messiah was supposed to do, according to the prophet Isaiah. So in this overview of Jesus' ministry, Luke includes three things that Jesus did. First, Jesus cast out demons. Second, Jesus healed the sick. And third, Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. And lo and behold, these are the three things that the Messiah was supposed to do when the Messiah comes. So first, in verses 31 to 37, Luke tells us that Jesus cast out a demon. The Messiah was sent to proclaim liberty to the captives and to set free those who are oppressed. Demon-possessed people were people who were enslaved to and who were being oppressed by demons. And Jesus set them free from their slavery to demons by casting out demons. And in verse 33, Luke tells us that a man who was possessed by an unclean demon came, uh, was, was confronted by Jesus. And when he saw Jesus, the demon said, Ha, what, do you, what, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus told the unclean spirit to be quiet and cast him out and thus liberated the man from his demonic uh, possession and oppression. And reports about Jesus went out that Jesus had the authority and the power to cast out demons. You see, as the Messiah, Jesus was bringing the kingdom of God. And in God's kingdom, there are no unclean demons. In God's kingdom... None of its citizens are, are enslaved or dehumanized or oppressed in any way. And that's why Jesus cast out demons. 
By casting out demons, Jesus was giving a preview and a glimpse of what the kingdom of God was like that he was bringing. A kingdom where there is no more evil. A kingdom where there is no more slavery. A kingdom where there is no more oppression of any kind, either by demons or by evil people who abuse their power to oppress others. As the Messiah, Jesus came to restore the dignity of image bearers of God by setting them free from every dehumanizing and degrading enslavement and oppression, especially to demonic forces. And every time Jesus cast out a demon, it wasn't just a demonstration of his power and authority. It was also a demonstration of his love for the enslaved and for the oppressed as he set them free and restored their dignity as image bearers of God. Now, this is a good place for me to take a quick time out and talk about the difference between what you might call demonic faith and saving faith. Do you realize that demons have faith. Demons knew who Jesus was. This demon believed and confessed that Jesus was the Holy One of God. And in the book of James, it says that demons believe that God exists, and they shudder. Demons believe in the existence of God. Demons even confess that Jesus is the Holy One of God. But they are not saved. Although demons believe that Jesus is the Holy One of God, but they do not trust Jesus. They do not worship Jesus. They do not love Jesus, and they do not follow Jesus. So it is possible to have demonic faith, a faith like the demons, but such faith cannot and will not save you. Saving faith, on the other hand, is a faith that doesn't just believe that God exists or doesn't just believe that Jesus is the Holy One of God, but a faith that embraces Jesus as Lord and Savior. Saving faith is a faith that produces a love for Jesus, a worship for Jesus, and an obedience to Jesus. Those who have true saving faith do not merely intellectually assent that Jesus is the Lord, but they embrace and follow Jesus as Lord. You see, it is very possible to know a lot of theology, to know a lot of things about God, and still not be saved. Uh, Pastor J.C. Ryle said it powerfully when he said it like this. Uh, let, it never, <clears throat> let it never content us to know religion with our heads only. We, we may go on all our lives saying, I know that, I, and I know that, and sink at last into hell with the words upon our lips. Let us see that our knowledge bears fruit in our lives. Does our knowledge of sin make us hate it? Does our knowledge of Christ make us uh, trust and love him? Does our knowledge of God's will uh, make us strive to do it? Does our knowledge of the fruits of the Spirit make us labor to show them in our daily behavior? Knowledge of this kind is really profitable. Any other religious knowledge will only add to our condemnation at the last day. Wow. So first, Jesus cast out demons. Second, Jesus healed the sick. According to the prophet Isaiah, the Messiah would heal the sick. 
and Jesus healed the sick. In, verses, in verse 38, we're told that Simon's mother-in-law was sick with a high fever and that Jesus healed her. And I want you to catch this. Jesus healed her so completely and so thoroughly that she was able to jump out of bed and start serving. She didn't just begin to feel a little bit better. She was completely better in an instant, and she was up and about serving the people in her own. As the Messiah, Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God. And in God's kingdom, there is no more sickness, there is no more disease, there is no more illness. And that's why Jesus healed the sick. By healing the sick and by restoring broken people to full health, Jesus was giving a, a preview and a glimpse of God's kingdom a place where sickness, disease, pain, and death will be no more. You see, in God's kingdom, there will be no more fevers. There will be no more cancers. And there will be no more deadly viruses like COVID-19. And every time Jesus healed the sick, Jesus wasn't just demonstrating his power to heal, but he was also demonstrating his love for the sick and the diseased as he restored them to full health and to wholeness. You see, friends, by casting out both demons and diseases, Jesus was showing what his kingdom would be like. A kingdom without demons, a kingdom without disease, a kingdom without death. And every miracle that Jesus performed was really a compassionate and merciful act of restoring some broken part of creation. And it was a preview and a glimpse of the kingdom that he was bringing. A kingdom where nothing and no one is ever broken in any way. A kingdom that is full of true shalom. That is the kind of kingdom that Jesus is bringing. So Jesus cast out demons and healed the sick. And third, Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. According to Isaiah's prophecy, the Messiah would preach the gospel. And in verse 43, Jesus said, I must preach the good news or the gospel of the kingdom of God to other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. As important as casting out demons and healing the sick was, the most important part of Jesus' ministry was preaching the gospel. Of all the things that Jesus did as the Messiah, Preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God was the most important thing. And the gospel that Jesus preached was the good news that the kingdom of God has come. You see, Jesus, as God's Messiah King, came to bring the kingdom of God. And friends, this is the gospel. This is the good news. The good news is that God will renew and restore all things. And that God will do that through the redemptive work of his son Jesus, beginning with his death and resurrection and then completing it at his return. One day, Jesus the Messiah will come again and he will make everything new and everything right. Jesus, the Messiah, will renew and restore this broken world, and everything in this world will be the way it's supposed to be, perfect, whole, holy, complete, including us. One day, Jesus, the Messiah, will bring the new heaven and the new earth, and on that day, there will be no more sin, no more suffering, no more sickness, no more sadness, no more injustice, no more hostility, and no more death. You see, 
the perfect and the beautiful world that we all long for in our hearts. That world is coming. Jesus is bringing that world. And today, Jesus invites you to believe this good news of, this good news that he proclaims, that he really is the Messiah and that he has come to bring the kingdom of God with his death and resurrection and then in its fullness at his second coming. And if you receive and embrace Jesus as your Messiah, he will not only forgive you of all of your sins and restore your dignity, but most of all, he will love you with a steadfast, unchanging love. He will adopt you into the family of God. He will be with you and for you, and he will bring you safely home to his heavenly kingdom, that kingdom that we all long for in our hearts, a place without sin or blemish or anything like that. You know, if you are tired and weary of this broken world as I am. The good news is that Jesus the Messiah is bringing a better world. And it's for that world that we wait and hope. Amen. If you're tired today of this world, believe this. Jesus is bringing a better world. So we consider the promise of the Messiah and then the ministry of the Messiah Third and lastly, let's consider the rejection of the Messiah. After Jesus declared himself to be the Messiah that Isaiah promised, Jesus faced immediate rejection and hostility. They didn't just reject Jesus. They took Jesus to a cliff and wanted to kill him by throwing him off that cliff. But Jesus didn't let them because it wasn't yet time for him to die. So Jesus just walked right through them. So from the very beginning of his public ministry, Jesus faced rejection and hostility. Now, this would be a preview of the rejection and the hostility that, would do, that he would face through the entirety of his public ministry over and over again, especially by the religious leaders of the day. And this rejection and hostility would ultimately lead Jesus to the cross, to the day when he would be publicly rejected by a hostile crowd and put to an agonizing and shameful death on the cross. You see, when the time would come for Jesus to die for the sins of the world, Jesus would not resist. Jesus would humbly and willingly lay down his life for the world. Jesus will willingly die on the cross because that was the Father's way of both saving sinners and restoring this world. You see, friends, the renewal of the world can only come through the rejection of the Messiah. In order to save sinners, the Messiah must die for sinners. In order to restore the broken world, the Messiah must be broken for the world. And so, from the very beginning of Luke's gospel, we follow Jesus around, but his final destination is Jerusalem. And we're going to watch Jesus go to Jerusalem. And we're going to watch Jesus, in great love, lay down his life for you for me and for the world. Now you might ask, how much does Jesus love me? And the gospel says, Jesus loves you so much that he died for you to save you from your sin, to save you from death and hell. That's how much Jesus loved you. He loved you more than he loved his own life. He gave everything for you. That's how loved you are by Jesus, the Messiah. 
So what? I have two takeaways for us today, two, just two. First, I want to ask you, no matter where you are today, whether you're in your living room or in your bedroom or your kitchen, wherever you are, I want to ask you a question directly and personally. How will you respond to Jesus? In our text, we see two kinds of responses to Jesus. On the one hand, we see people who rejected Jesus. And then we also see people who were restored by Jesus. How will you respond to Jesus today? Will you embrace Jesus as your Messiah and be restored? Or will you reject him? Who do you say Jesus is? Is Jesus the Messiah or is he just some imposter that has fooled millions and billions of people throughout uh, the history of the world? Luke wrote his book to show you, to convince you that Jesus is the Messiah. So today I invite you to believe that Jesus is the Messiah and I invite you to enter into his kingdom by faith. Receive and embrace Jesus as your Messiah. And if you do, Jesus will not only forgive you and heal you, but he will love you with a steadfast love and he will never leave nor forsake you and he will bring you safely home to his heavenly kingdom one day. And not only receive Jesus as Lord, but I invite you to follow Jesus as Lord. Now, if you would like to start following Jesus, uh, text us at the number that you see on your screen and someone from our church will follow up with you and we'll help you start your journey with Jesus as you follow him. Here's the second takeaway for today. The ministry of Jesus the Messiah has significant implications for the ministry of his church. You see, the church is the body of Christ. The church is the body of the Messiah. And the ministry of the church is the continuation of the ministry of the Messiah. Just as Jesus was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit before so that he could fulfill his ministry, so the church was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost for her ministry. And as the church of the Messiah, we must follow the ministry pattern of the Messiah. And just as Jesus the Messiah had three aspects to his ministry, so we as the church of the Messiah must also have three aspects to our ministry. First, and most importantly, the church of the Messiah is called to the ministry of the gospel. Through his church, through the preaching of his church, it is Jesus the Messiah who is still preaching to the world today. Through the preaching of his church, Jesus still proclaims the good news that the kingdom of God has come with his death and resurrection and that it will come in fullness, glory, and power at his second coming. Through the preaching of the church, Jesus still declares that he is making all things new and that the new creation has come and will come one day in glorious fullness. Second, the church of the Messiah is called to the ministry of mercy. Through his church, Jesus still, uh, still uh, heals the broken and the brokenhearted. He still cares for the poor and the needy. He still cares for widows and orphans. He still cares for the marginalized and the outcast. The church is the hands of Jesus, the hands that touch with compassion and love, the hands that, that, that heal the hurting, the hands that bind up the broken, the hands that meets the, uh, the, the needs of the poor. And third, the church of the Messiah is called to the ministry of justice. 
through his church, Jesus still sets at liberty those who are captives and oppressed. Through his church, Jesus still protects the powerless, the vulnerable, and the voiceless. Through his church, Jesus treats image bearers of God with kindness and dignity. You see, friends, through his church, Jesus still works to show the world the kind of kingdom that he brings, a kingdom with no more injustice, no more oppression, no more unfairness, and no more cruel treatment of precious image bearers of God. You see, as we read through the Gospel of Luke, I want you to pay particular attention to how Jesus treats people. I want you to watch how Jesus treats people. Because we, as his people, are to treat people the way Jesus treated people. Let me say that again. We, as his people, are to treat people the way Jesus, the Messiah, treated people. And you're going to see that Jesus treated everyone, no matter their rank or race or social status. He treated everyone with compassion, kindness, and dignity. Abraham Kuyper, the Reformed theologian, said that the church's job was to make disciples rather than to change society. But it had to form disciples in such a way that they went out into the world to do justice. Pastor Tim Keller uh, said this in a recent uh, article on biblical justice that he just wrote, and, and, and I found it to be so helpful. And let me just read you what he said here. While the institutional church's first responsibility is to evangelize and disciple through the word of God, that discipling and training must motivate and equip Christians to do justice, or it is not true to the word of God. A Christ-centered ministry, a Christ-like ministry, a messianic ministry includes all three ministries. The ministry of the gospel, the ministry of mercy, and the ministry of justice. You see, the church of the Messiah is not called to only preach the gospel. Jesus, the Messiah, did not only preach the gospel, though that was the most important thing that he did. But Jesus also demonstrated the beauty and the truth of the gospel that he preached by doing works of mercy and justice. Think about this. What were his healings? They were just miraculous works of mercy. What were his exorcisms? What were his scathing rebukes of those who abused their power? It was his works of justice. You see, the church is to both preach uh, the gospel of the, uh, of the kingdom of God through its words and to demonstrate the kingdom of God through its deeds of mercy and justice. When the church does deeds of mercy and justice, the church is giving previews and glimpses of what the kingdom of God is like. We feed the hungry. Why? Because in the kingdom of God, there is no more hunger. We heal the sick and take care of the sick. Why? Because in the kingdom of God, there is no more sickness. We speak out against injustices, and we seek justice for the powerless and the vulnerable. Why? Because in the kingdom of God, there is no more injustice. There are no more people taking, uh, being taken advantage of. We treat all people with dignity and kindness. Why? Because in the kingdom of God, everyone is treated with dignity and kindness because they are precious image bearers of God. So please, my friends, don't say 
Just preach the gospel. That's all we have to do as a church. Just preach the gospel. No, that is not right, or that is insufficient. We must do what Jesus did. Jesus preached the gospel, and he did works of mercy and justice. His beautiful works attested to and confirmed the gospel that he preached. And in the same way, as the church of Jesus, we too must preach the gospel and do beautiful works of mercy and justice that attest to and confirm the gospel that we preach. In other words, we are to both declare the love of Jesus for the world and we are also to demonstrate the love of Jesus to the world through our deeds of mercy and justice. Pastor and author Richard Viodas said this, mercy is bandaging up people bloodied in life. Justice is systemically stopping those who are bloodying up the people. The church needs both kinds of ministries to bear witness to a better world. Amen. Let me close with this. Now this may all feel overwhelming. And we might be wondering, how can I do all these things? How can I preach the gospel, show mercy, and do justice? It's all too much. Who has time or the energy to do all of that? Well, let me just say this. No one person can do all three things all the time. Preach the gospel, do mercy, and to do justice. But it is the body of Christ as a collective whole that is called to these ministries of the Messiah. You see, together as one body that is made up of many members with many different gifts, we give ourselves collectively to these three ministries as we follow Jesus, the Messiah. You see, some of you are more gifted for the gospel, for the ministry of the gospel, and you will find yourself being more devoted to that. Some of you are more gifted to the ministry of mercy, and you'll be giving yourself more to that. And some of you are more gifted to the ministry of justice, and you'll give yourselves more to that. You see, you by yourself, you cannot do all of these things. But we, together, as the body of Christ, we can and we must do these three ministries if we want to follow the messianic pattern of ministry that Jesus has set for us as his followers. So as you follow Jesus, the Messiah, let me ask you, what are some practical, small, and doable ways that you can participate in the ministry of the Messiah? To whom can you speak beautiful gospel truth today? How can you show the mercy and compassion to someone that is hurting or in need today? In what small way can you work for justice and do your part, as small as it may be, to promote human flourishing for everybody, especially for those who are marginalized, overlooked, forgotten, powerless, and voiceless? Christ-central, we follow the Messiah. We follow Jesus, the Messiah. And part of following Jesus, the Messiah, means continuing the ministry of the Messiah in and through our lives, both as individual Christians and as an institutional church. And we have been filled with the Holy Spirit for this purpose, that we might beautifully reflect Christ and his kingdom, both in our speech 
and in our deeds. So, as you follow Jesus, may the good news of Jesus and his kingdom be often on your lips. And would you love, and would you love mercy? And would you do justice as you walk humbly with your God? Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word today that shows us that Jesus is your son and that Jesus is the Messiah that you promised to us. Thank you that he has come to bring your kingdom. And thank you that he has invited us to be a part of his kingdom by believing in him. And I pray, Father, today, if there's anyone listening to me today who has not yet put their faith in Jesus the Messiah, I pray that by your spirit that you would enable them to do so today and to enter into your kingdom, to receive eternal life, and then to follow Jesus the Messiah for the joy of their hearts and for the good of the world to the glory of God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.